Hello, and welcome to part two of Is Your House Clean or Just Straightened Up? Last week, I shared with those of you who listen the words from the 51st Division of Psalms when David wrote, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. For most of us, when we pray these words, it happens because we truly mean it. Our hearts become pure and cleansed before the Father, and we're never the same again. However, the same as my garage and the storage room that I would shove things into just to get them out of the way. As time passes and sin becomes a part of our lives again, we need to repeatedly cleanse our hearts and spirits deeply. We need not just to repeat that same prayer as many times as needed, but also to truly mean it each time we say it. We need to forgive those who have hurt and come against us. However, for some of us, it's not others that we need to forgive and let go of. We also need to remember to forgive ourselves. Most theologians agree that the 51st division of Psalms was the one that David penned after being confronted by Nathan the prophet concerning his sins of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. The repercussions of these sins was the death of his newborn infant son. Have you ever asked yourself why the baby had to die? After all, the baby didn't sin. But we must remember that David and God had a covenant, and this innocent baby was the result of that covenant being broken. This baby's birth was the result of the covenant that Uriah and Bathsheba, the mother of the infant, being broken as well. God is a God of covenant, and he honors not only our covenant with him, but those that we enter into with one another here on earth. Marriage is definitely one of the most sacred covenants honored by God, and sin breaks that covenant. David literally wept before God because of the wrongs he had committed, and these wrongs brought about the consequences which which resulted in the baby's death. Every sin may not cause us to actually cry, but every sin should bring about great and pronounced regrets. There are certain things that I regret so deeply that I wish that I could forget them and not even remotely recall them again. As a very young Christian, I remember saying to God that I wish that I could forget some of the things I've done in life, some of the mistakes and sins that I've committed. In fact, there was a time that I would say, if my life was like an old time cassette recorder, that I would go back and hit delete on so many parts of my life that I would probably erase half of it. I remember when God ministered to me and said, if I let you forget your sins like I do, meaning like he does, then you would keep repeating the same ones over and over again. Our Father only allows us to remember our wrongs, not so that we'll feel guilty and condemned, but so that we won't commit them again. As we forgive others, we must also remember to forgive ourselves. Do you recall the cobwebs I mentioned in part one of this series? 
Well, many of those spiritual cobwebs that we have hanging around are part of what's covering the unforgiveness that we have towards ourselves. Let's cast our minds back to Romans 8, 1, that reads, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I love the way the Amplified Version reads, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. Now, let me make something clear about this verse. Although it says that there is no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who believe in Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, this does not give leeway to greasy grace. This is not saying that we will not have to face the consequences of our sin or that there will not be repercussions for our wrongs. We've already seen this in the, this in the life of David. David repented and wept before the Father and was forgiven, but there were still consequences for his sins. However, in actuality, what Romans 8 and 1 is telling us is that when we stand in judgment and have already repented for our sin, that we will not be condemned to hell. And remember, there must be regret and heartfelt repentance of the sins and wrongs that have been committed. And that means that there is such remorse over those wrongs that we never commit them again. In Psalms 51 and 3, the psalmist wrote, For I am conscious of my transgression, and I acknowledge them. My sin is ever before me. He not only acknowledged his sin, but he was aware of them continually. He didn't forget them, which enabled him to remember not to engage in that action again. That was not condemnation and guilt, but in actuality a conviction and constant reminder not to sin again. One of the things that I always taught my sons as well as my grandchildren was that for every action, there is a reaction. That's actually Newton's third law. For every action in nature, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Basically, what it's saying is that for everything we do in the natural, it will cause an equal response, whether good or bad. What I was trying to instill in them and what our Father wants to instill in us is to think about the things we do before we do them because there will be repercussions and consequences one way or the other. However, if and when we do sin, we can come to the Father in true repentance asking for his forgiveness, and he will forgive us. He will cleanse us so that our hearts will be pure and clean once again. Therefore, if God is willing to forgive us, then we should also be willing to forgive ourselves, no matter how great the wrongs we may have done. The psalmist also prayed that our Father would renew a right spirit within him. In the Amplified Version, it reads at the 10th verse, and renew a right 
persevering and steadfast spirit within me. He's asking that his spirit would not only be right before the Father, but that, that it would also, as the dictionary defines it, to continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. We must persevere, continuing to press forward in doing what's right while at the same time not allowing our past mistakes to keep us stuck in the same position. As Paul said in Philippians 3.13, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We cannot move forth the way we need to, the way our Father wants us to, while we've got a bunch of junk, trash, and clutter covered with spiritual cobwebs holding us back. Don't just straighten up the house, but allow our Father to clean it thoroughly. Forget what's behind you. Don't be afraid to move the cobwebs in order to reveal what's been hidden for too long. Persevere and continue to press forward. I remember many years ago saying that oftentimes I could tell what a person's spirit man or his spiritual house was like depending on what his or her natural house was like. I would say that a consistently junky house indicated a junky spirit, a consistently messy house, a messy spirit, and so on. Although since that time I've had to rethink that statement, but yet I still agree with it to a certain degree. However, nonetheless, we don't just want our spirits to be straight, but we want hearts, minds, and spirits that are morally and ethically cleansed. So that even when we don't see things going the way we want them to, when the enemy and flesh tries to remind us of our past sins, we must persevere, press forward, and forgive ourselves, forgive our sins, especially when we know that God has forgiven them. In the face of difficulties and adversities, we want to continue and persist in the way that God has ordained for us as his sons and daughters. This is where our strengths, morals, and ethics are necessary. This is where we need our fruit of the Spirit as discussed in previous episodes. We need to develop all of the fruit of the Spirit, but for some instances, more than others, Specifically, we will need the fruit of patience, long-suffering, and self-control in order to remain cleansed from sin. The Strong's Concordance defined the word cleanse as being morally clean. Let's be sure that we are just that, morally and ethically clean. We should be sure that our morals, ethics, honor, integrity, and character are intact and not covered with such spiritual dust and cobwebs to the degree that they're no longer recognizable. And believe it or not, having a spirit that's free of condemnation and guilt also allows for our fruit to develop even more abundantly. 
In the months before my mother passed, I remember going to her house on more than one occasion and she was cleaning out her closets and getting rid of old papers. My mother was not in a long-term illness and hadn't received the diagnosis insinuating that she was about to die, but I do believe that our father was preparing her for, for that time. After all, she was 96 years old. Each time I went to her little apartment and saw her cleaning, I would ask her what she was doing and if I could help. I would actually insist on doing it or at least giving her a hand. She would always say no and then she would insist that it was something she had to do. Finally, one day she told me why she was so insistent on completing her task herself. She said that when she died, she didn't want us, her two daughters, to have to come and clean out a lot of junk and stuff that she had left behind. My mother passed that same year, and as she had anticipated and desired, there wasn't a whole lot of cleaning that we had to do. As Christians, we need to remember that there are certain things that only we can do, and only we are responsible for in reference to getting our spirit man cleaned up and prepared for when the time comes that we must stand in the judgment. We need to be clean in our spirits, hearts, and souls even more than we clean our homes. I cleaned my house, but it's still the same house no matter how much I clean it. But when I ask the Father for a clean heart, He responds by giving me a new one, one that I've never had before. David wanted a clean heart and a renewed spirit. Again, we see a difference. To have a renewed spirit is to have one that's repaired, restored, or rebuilt. Through this, we see that we will have the same spirit, but it will be repaired from the damages caused by the battles against sin. Our hearts, however, will be totally new. When and if we ask, our Father will renew our spirits, because they are immortal and will live on. Our hearts, however, will be cleansed and become totally new. My five-year-old great-granddaughter didn't like going into to my garage because she said it was creepy. Not anymore. Now that it's clean, she can run in and out without a thought. So it should be with every area of our hearts, minds, and spirits. Let there not be one place that cannot be entered into or that's being avoided because of what's in it that shouldn't be there. Let there be not one area of our hearts and spirits that we, be, we would be too ashamed for our Father to see because of what's in it. Let us always remember the words that David penned to our father and let us repeat them, dwell on them, and truly mean them continually. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. God bless each and every one of you, my sisters and brothers, and happy house cleaning. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. 
I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amieagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook Messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support, and may God bless each and every one of you.